Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, the podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. What's going on, Facebook land? We are so glad you're here. Soon we'll be broadcasting live to Facebook and YouTube one day. And, uh, but we're, we'll get that set up uh, soon. But we're glad you're here. Oh, man, I, we were just talking about before the show started about, well, one, food and lunch and encouragement, but also how my wife and I are excited. Like, you know, we, we, just every day is a new experience with a new, with a new child. Every day is an adventure. We don't wish them away. Uh, that's been probably some of the best advice we've, we've received is don't say, I can't wait for them to fill in the blank. Uh, we just are excited about the moment. But we are looking forward, 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 forward <laughs> to being able to have different traditions and start different things our family will do together. Whether that's, man, every year we'll do this, or, you know, every Friday, you know, it'll be a, a family game night, or every Tuesday, or, you know, whatever night works best for us, whatever best, you know, whatever works best for you guys, I, I encourage you to make those times together start those traditions and we were talking about kind of our go-to's and uh, I said it was nothing like nothing bet you know nothing beat going to Blockbuster on a Friday night to check out movies for the weekend and to make and you you didn't know are they gonna be in stock are they not gonna be in stock those new releases the whole back wall was filled with like you know three movies sometimes especially when a really popular movie would come out and I can remember going to, and they had probably a whole rack, top, you know, to ceiling to floor, full of the movie I was looking for. And I saw the cover, and I was like, yes! And I ran up, and no movie. And they were all gone. I was like, man, you ran out like, you know, 30 copies already? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I was like, it just came out yesterday. And that was just the excitement, the anticipation the the horror of having to rent from Blockbuster and nothing was you know VHS world nothing was also worse than having someone who didn't rewind the VHS tape I was like okay take the extra thirty seconds and rewind this VHS tape for me but, yeah but what always were your experiences like always an adventure trying to figure out especially with a new release um, and you know I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that every time we go back to oklahoma we drive by that m&m's which is not an m&m's it's now actually a liquor store um <laughs> and m&m's was the uh, uh the video store that was right around the corner from the house but you know you got a new release or a new movie and so you got to go you got to find you know what genre is it they're all alphabet alphabetized and then you just hope when you get to that section that there is one available and then you have to go also, if it's not there, you can also go to the desk and say, has anyone returned this that you haven't restocked yet? Oh, Please I'll... tell me you have one waiting back there. Um, and then you could always put your name on the wait list. But, you know, when your name comes up on the wait list, who knows if you have time to actually watch a movie. But um, So, yeah, it was a, those are always fun, fun times with the kids. I saw your picture of you uh, rolling with 
a little casing around the parking lot the other day. Yeah. Was that just yesterday? It was just yesterday. Just yesterday. Yeah. Uh, we had a parking lot at the end. <laughs> I, if it's sunny, you should. We had a parking lot at the end of our neighborhood street. Um, it was a parking lot of a church, and they had an overflow parking lot on the other side of the street. And it was mostly vacant most of the week. And it was a great place for my kids to learn to ride their bikes. Because um, it was huge. They could ride it in a giant circle. They had two big light poles. Um, and that was it. Everything else was open. Um, Dustin, my oldest, he was probably at the time, I'm going to say five. Uh, he still thought he could beat me on a bicycle. And so he said, Dad, let's race to the light pole. And I said, all right, let's go. And so we started racing to the light pole. What I didn't know is in my five-year-old's literal mind, he was racing exactly to the light pole. And he was riding as fast as he could right <laughs> towards it. Big, and it's you know got a big, probably a, a two-foot-wide cement base. Oh, no. And, and, of course, as every good dad is, I'm letting my child, at least for a while, feel like he could possibly beat me. And as we get closer and closer to this pole, I realize he's not riding past it. He is actually riding to it. And so as we get closer, I just reach over, I grab him by the shoulder, and I hoist him up into my arms as his bike hits the concrete pole and just boom and goes crazy. And then... <laughs> I stopped and set him down and he looked at me and he goes, Whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're telling me that was, uh, uh, you know, one of those, you know, humans can do anything in the moment when you realize your child is about to completely destroy his, his face. Um, so we had our parking lot to the wife, right? <laughs> we well, she's racing. <laughs> She's watching the whole thing unfold because, you know, this was a family affair and we would go down there and ride and uh, have a great little time. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. But yeah, fun, fun things you can do in a parking lot. Family traditions are oh, great. Yeah. Gathering at Thanksgiving and Christmas, um, you know, good, good traditions to have when anytime family can get together. Right. Absolutely. Anything you had, uh, you know, besides movies, um, anything maybe around the holidays that was unique yeah. for oh, your family? Maybe. I don't know how unique it was, but for Christmas, you know, for my dad's side, we would meet the Saturday before Christmas. Um, and that was due to my grandmother wanting, from what I understand, my grandmother, because it was always what we did. And it was done before I was born, from what I, I maybe not, I, I can't remember when I was little, but it was always what we did. <laughs> and from what I understand, it was the whole, let's not argue who gets to come. Are we going to go to this, you know, this side on Christmas Day, this side on Christmas Day, alternate back and forth. Well, let's find a time when we can all get together and then y'all can choose what to do on Christmas <laughs> and Christmas Eve. For the rest of the time. Day. So that way we can still find a time for, you know, she wanted both her kids there and then their kids. So it's, it became something that, that we did. And then it became so important that, you know, it was when someone's missing, it's, it's awful. And I'm right. not just talking about, oh, it's, you know, my dad and, and his brother going 
it's now the cousins. And then once we get married and have children, they all start showing up. It's like, this is tradition. The Saturday before Christmas, we go here. And then any other day, we can fight over, you know, whose, whose side are you going to for Christmas this year? You know, we eliminated all of that by saying, let's do it early. And then after my grandfather and grandmother both passed away, you know, my dad, my uncle, and our cousins, we were still like, we're, we're still doing this, right? Right. Uh, we'll, we'll find who, who wants to host because this is what we do. <laughs> you know, this, this is what we do. And it was fun. And it's a way for us to get together because we don't really see each other a whole lot. And people will, who work in factories will do what it takes if they can to make sure shift work gets taken care of. Sometimes they can't make it. Some, most of the time it ends up where they end up do making it. And it's just a, a really great experience. And uh, it just shows that, hey, family will do what it takes to, to get together when it, when it matters. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I'll ask you this question. Do you have the tradition of washing your hands before you eat? You are under oath. At the penalty of perjury. I, I see that. So, <laughs> when we're all together, the little kids, we say, hey, go wash your hands. And as adults, I don't think we, we don't, we tell all the little kids to wash their hands, but we're not washing our hands. I mean, you know, I kind of do this on my shirt and pants and say, okay, I'm ready to go. But, um. <laughs> I, you know, I even start to say it depends on what I'm doing. Yeah, uh, but I but I don't know if that's the case either because um, you know I have eaten lunch while I'm underneath the car with you know greasy hands. You just know that oh okay well there's two clean spots on my fingers so I'll just hold the sandwich very carefully as or I'm that eating. Purple gunk, right? Or no, no, not purple. That orange gunk. It, right. right. It's yeah. got the little pecan shells in it to scrub it clean. Which, you know, that makes your hands clean, but it sure doesn't make them necessarily eat worthy. Because just because all the grease is off of it, now then, there's no telling what kind of toxic chemical is now there. But, uh, you know, washing your hands. You look at Mark chapter 7, uh, the, the Pharisees are looking around at the disciples and they're realizing that the disciples aren't washing their hands when they eat. Um the, the Pharisees, uh, the horrors, I know. So chapter, verse 3 says, The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. Um, that's when they come from the marketplace. They don't eat unless they've washed. And there are many other customs they've received and keep, like washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, um, and dining couches. That's interesting. Uh, what does this note say? Let me look here real quick. Oh, others... Oh, omit dining couches. So maybe they maybe they didn't wash their couches. Um, but so, you know, so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, "Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands?" Right, this wasn't like sinfully unclean. They're just saying, "Look, your disciples have been in the marketplace and they're eating with their grubby paws like common people, and we're not common people." And he's really they're really kind of giving Jesus some grief. Uh, about the fact that his disciples aren't washing their hands before they eat. Yeah. 
Um, don't you which know? Is in, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Say, don't you know it's it's your responsibility, Jesus, as rabbi? You're, you know, they follow your lead. You know, it, when you go somewhere, you know, with a group. So whether you know, we have Bruce in here. He as a school teacher, as a as a previous coach. When you go somewhere, say your, your team goes somewhere, they have a game, then they go out to eat after at a restaurant. They are representatives of the name on your jersey. Mm -hmm. And if they do something that people have a problem with, that reflects on the school or the name on the jersey. So here they're saying as your you know, followers, you're the rabbi, they're reflecting on you and we have a problem. Because this is not what we do, and this and and you should know that as a rabbi, you're a you're a Jewish leader. You should be teaching them our ways, and they're almost like putting him in time out, saying, "Okay, you know, if, <laughs> if you're going to be part of us and you're going to be a rabbi, you have to be a rabbi and teach them our rabbinical ways, because this is not what we do, and you're making us look bad." Yeah, and. <clears throat> You know, the the Pharisees, at least, you know, at this time have created this this pattern where, um, you know, even by Mark chapter seven, a lot has gone on in Mark up to this point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they are recognizing Jesus is messing with our apple cart. Yeah. Uh, the, the things that he are teaching, he has an authority, he has a presence, he's doing things that we can't explain. But he is also calling the people to an awareness of some things that we're not really comfortable with. Uh, for many of them, it was because it was threatening their authority and threatening their influence. Um, and so the only way they knew how to combat it was we've got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. And so and so they're starting to look for ways to set him up, to to ask him these questions that just don't have a good answer, you know, Um. You know, and this is one of those. I mean, it's it's a good question if you are just thinking with their mind. I ask it to my kids, you know, hey, wash your hands. It's good to be clean. Um, and it has become such a habit for them that um, now we don't always do it before we eat because we make sure that our hands stay clean, you know, throughout the day. Yeah, uh, that may not have necessarily been an opportunity for them to have. So it's not like this is a bad thing that they're asking. Right. No. Um, when you're walking around the marketplace, when there's, you know, animals and things that float around, when everything is made out of dirt and dust and we don't have the same kind of sanitization process in this day, it, it's probably a wise thing to wash yeah. your hands before you eat. So this isn't something that's, you know, evil or even binding, but the Pharisees are going to bring this to Jesus' attention because they're trying to separate him from, you know, the other Jews that are in the area and start yeah. to build this chasm between them. They were already trying to find ways to say, this guy's going to be a problem for us. And, and sure, is there is there value in washing hands? Uh, yes. Uh, do I do it all the? Do I do it every time before I eat? Um, no. Uh, right here, during the office, I have peanuts. Right. I I will just sometimes randomly, 
open it up, grab a handful of peanuts. Do I wash my hands every time before I grab a handful of peanuts? No. No, I don't. And, you know, is there something useful to this? Well, of course. But they were trying to find anything they could, like you said, to point out, to nitpick and say, look at what you're doing. You're wrong. And to create, like you said, that division, that, that chasm, that divide, so we can maybe slow down this momentum that this man seems to be gaining. And I say this man because that's all they thought he was. This man is gaining too much momentum. Meanwhile, they were forgetting the fact, well, they didn't forget. They were refusing to accept the fact that this man who was gaining momentum was the son of God who was gaining mm -hmm. traction and a following because people were coming to him who wanted to be closer to God. Yeah. And so, you know, these, you know, he recognizes, um, at least Mark recognizes that these are, you know, this is a tradition. It wasn't a law, you know, it wasn't like because they came to the table um, with hands that weren't physically clean meant that they were now unclean in the eyes of the law. This is a ceremonial washing, um, which is, this is acceptable and this is good, but this is not necessarily a piece of the law. And so this was a tradition that they had, and it's a good tradition. Um, I think about, you know, the traditions that we have, and this is true in families, it's true in the church, um, the value of tradition and the way it anchors us um, into our heritage, into where we've been. Um you know, if we want to look at, at God's people, you know, because ultimately Scripture wants to teach us about how we can become God's people. You know, there are things that are doctrinal. Jesus is going to address that here in a little bit when he talks about the things that are of the law and the things that are of God as opposed to these traditional things. Um, I think a lot of times we are afraid that if we call something tradition that is of great value to us, that the people who come after us will then abandon it. Um, and, and I don't believe that we really truly understand how much value tradition adds uh, to who we are as a people. Um, that, that, that tradition, when I am participating in something and I become acutely aware that this has been done this way for generations and, and sometimes centuries, and, and this carries me back to people that have gone long before me, and it's carried forward. And that just, there is some deep, deep value to understanding how we are participating in what our ancestors have done mm -hmm. um, in doing this. Uh, and here in a minute, I've got, I've got a funny story and then just a recognition from my own uh, upbringing before I, I let you comment just on, on the value of tradition. Yeah, and, and I mean, traditions are very valuable. I mean, we've, we've obviously talked about, you know, the traditions of family and how family traditions are important and how even after for us, our Christmas traditions, even after our grandparents passed away, you know, my, my uncles and uh, my uncle, sorry, my uncle and my, my aunt and my parents and all my cousins who some of them have children who are what I would say older now and it makes me feel like I'm old and I'm, you know, I'm like, hold up. I'm not old, but I remember whenever you weren't even alive 
and I was your age. So this is really this is really scary. And uh, but we're all saying let's let's still get together because this is valuable. This tradition is valuable. It has purpose. And in men, in, in 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 the church world, there's some traditions that we hold because they are valuable. They have their place. They are important because of they bring us closer. The, is there things? You know, I just think before we go off in too many tangents, <laughs> that the, there are importance to recognizing those differences, but also knowing that what's the meaning behind this tradition? Because sometimes we can be doing things and not know why we're doing them. We have no clue why we're doing them. And, 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 I'll, use, and I'll use this example. Um, for us, is there a tradition, and I don't know why it started, but in our circles of, of church, a lot of times you'll stand to sing the song before the lesson. I don't know when that started. I don't know why that started. Uh, it started to keep I'll, them awake so they don't well, fall asleep during the preacher's sermon. <laughs> yeah. Was it started because we need to keep the people awake because they've been sitting down for who knows how long? I don't know. But I remember there was a time where the song leader did not ask, for the people to stand up. <laughs> but as he's announcing the song, an elderly gentleman just stands up. And no one stands up. He stands up. They start the song, and he's looking around. And literally, out of awkwardness, people just started standing up. And But he was not going to let the song finish until everybody stood up. Because, by golly, we stand up. And I'm just thinking... Why are we doing this? You know, I kind of like sitting down. <laughs> you know, because when I stand up in church, I can't move. When I stand up, I want to be walking. I want to be active. And uh, I want to be, you know, talking to people and moving around. And that's just, it was different. And, uh, but it, it made me wonder, what's the purpose behind this? And sometimes we can get ca so caught up in just the action that it loses the meaning behind the tradition and then it means then it, it loses the value unfortunately but mm -hmm. i think we have to make sure we continue to be reminded of why we're doing things so the value doesn't go away well i mean when you look um if you look back at the history of god's people all the way back to israel um, every time it seems like God spoke to Israel, he had to remind them, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. So, so we need those reminders of where we've been. And, and for me, when I look at traditions in my family, it reminds me of my upbringing. Um, our main tradition around holidays was we always went to IHOP on, on Christmas Eve. We would go to IHOP, we would come back, or we would actually open presents from the family on Christmas Eve. And then everybody would get decked out on the things that they got for Christmas. And we would go to IHOP and then we would come home for the, uh, the Christmas Eve and morning festivities with uh, the jolly old fat man. So, um, and that became a, a tradition later on in my family as we moved to Austin. But as I grew up and started creating my own family, um, you know, we started going to IHOP on Christmas Eve as well. That just kind of carried over. 
And every time we would do that, even though I wasn't always with family, I was reminded, you know, of, of the family that we have, the good times that we had gathered around a table on IHOP. I was reminded of the way that we were able to minister to waiters and waitresses who, because of their life, had to work to make ends meet. Um, I saw my mother and father who didn't have the money to bless people the way they did be a huge blessing to other people in that moment. And, and a lot of times they had to save up for that because it was one of the only times we would really maybe could go out to eat in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of some of the things that were going on in our family. And so, you know, there's just some, some good, good, good memories of some of the people that we met in those moments and those things. And, you know, it doesn't feel like Christmas if we don't go to IHOP. There's been a couple of years we've been in a place where we couldn't find an IHOP and we had to go to a Denny's and it just didn't feel the same. Not because it wasn't Christmas. And one Christmas we weren't able to go out at all because of where we were. The And guess what? We didn't observe that tradition and Christmas still came um, and it went. It didn't, it, it didn't affect the actual goings-on uh, of the season, uh, but we recognized the value that it brought as we sat and we remembered where we've been and what we've done and the things that have gone on in our lives. And so, you know, tradition has this, this huge amount of value that it brings to who we are as a people. And it can even be something that defines us. You know, in the church, it is often our tradition that defines us and sets us apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is important for us to recognize traditions so we can assign their value and recognize how deeply it roots us with our ancestors and with those that came before us um, and how it connects us even with that, that first church and the way that they practice their Christianity um, in real life. You know, the issue for Jesus here wasn't that they were observing traditions it's that they had taken these traditions and they had elevated them to a place where they were beginning to condemn people because they weren't washing their hands before they ate. Um, but the lives they were leading, the hearts that they had, the spirit that they had were completely um, counter to what God had called them to. And you kind of, you know, I think Bruce makes a good point here. He mentioned this a little while ago, but leaving things better than we found, doing things with integrity and having these servant leader characteristics, recognizing the tradition, recognizing that heritage, bringing it forward, um, and having that integrity is one of the things, you know, that Jesus is asking. He said, look, I need you to honor God's commands in the same way that you honor these traditions, which are good and they're valuable. But you're, you're, you're abandoning God's law for the things that you prefer. Um, and I think that's where we really have to be cautious of when, and he kind of gets at that in verses eight and nine of, of chapter seven there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think the, and as, as we're talking about these traditions and, and uh, I'll just continue on with, with, with what happens in the story, because we, we have the confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. We have the confrontation where the Pharisees are saying, you're leaving behind our traditions. You're not doing things. You're not doing it the right way. What's wrong with you? And they're almost, I don't know what they were expecting, 
Were they expecting Jesus to be like, oh yeah, my bad. Hey guys, go wash your hands. Is that what they were expecting him to do? Or were they just doing it for the sake of pointing out how bad Jesus was being in their minds? But I like his response. And his response is, well, I, we can read verse 6 and 7, but the, it really comes down to verse 8 when he says, well, I don't know, we'll read verse 6 and 7. And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? So first of all, he starts off by insulting them, which is fantastic. And, uh, uh, and he goes, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So he's, he's like reminding them of what Isaiah prophesied, mm -hmm. of Isaiah's yeah, right. prophecy, and saying, hey, this is about you right now, because you're worshiping me in vain. You're teaching these, these commandments of men as doctrine, as truth. And then the culminating kind of one-two punch you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So that, that's, a, that's a pretty harsh accusation. For priests especially, for Pharisees, for leaders and teachers of the law, absolutely. Um, but, you know, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. Yeah. Um, is the way the Christian Standard Bible puts it, or to maintain your tradition. Yeah, that next um, Yeah, you have a fine way of doing it. Good job. And, you know, I just, I look at my own life, personally, individually, privately, and even in the church, and there are so many things that we have just grown so comfortable with um, that I'm not willing to turn them over. And, and we can have a conversation, right? And we can talk about... Uh, you know, the nature of these things and the value, or I can just kind of put my head in the sand and say, no way, this is what it's going to be. This is the way it has to be. Um, and you're wrong if you think otherwise. And we begin to conflate it with other things because we just don't want to spend the time to really um, dissect it. And it, it seems like that's kind of the way things had, had moved into this point. And it, look, that's the human way of going about it, right? Um, mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I don't want to confront it. I like my comfort. And so let's just keep doing these things the same way. And I'm going to continue to, to, to put more and more things on you so that you don't argue. Because I'm educated and you're less so. And as opposed to the, I mean, in, in respect to the conversation that's going on here, these are the teachers of the law. They tell the people what they do, and they're responsible for that. And just, Jesus is saying, look, you have – this isn't who God wants you to be. You have abandoned God's law, and you may be doing really good at keeping these things, but God expects a different heart for those people that he's called to be in your place. Um, yeah. And I think that's where we have to be so, so careful – it doesn't mean that we can't honor traditions. We should. We should embrace them. They're a part of our heritage. They're a part of who we are. They're what a part. They're a part of what gives us the confidence when we come together. Because I can look at the traditions we have and I can line them up and I can say, you know what, tradition or doctrine, I don't know. What I know is when I do things the way we do things, 
I know God is pleased. Um, and I know that along the way, I'm connected with generations and centuries of Christians that have done things in this way. Um, and there's a pattern that's set up, and the pattern connects us with that heritage. Um, and in the same vein, I can look at this and I can say, here is who God wants me to be when it comes to other people. And instead of building barriers that prevent people from getting to God, I'm going to build bridges that, that bring people over so that they can also connect to our heritage and to our faith tradition um, and, and to be connected to those people of God that have gone for centuries before. Definitely, um, it's, it's an important distinction, I think, that, that Jesus is really trying to get them to not to abandon tradition, but to embrace God's law and let it lead them there. And, and, and I don't think it's completely abandonment of, of tradition, but there is a thing where he's pointing out that they've elevated traditions above God's law, mm -hmm. which is a problem. And But here's where it's really relevant to us. Let's replace the word traditions with preference. Mm -hmm. When we allow our preference to supersede what we've been commanded to do, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. Are our preferences always wrong? No. Or can our preferences get in the way of serving God? Absolutely. Can our preferences get in the way of someone else coming to the cross to come to know our Savior? A absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I view preferences and traditions very similarly. There's, there's a difference, and we could talk about that if we had more time. But for the sake of this conversation, the traditions we practice are ones we keep because they are our preference. <laughs> you know, at least we're willing to call them, we like it more than doing the opposite or doing the ulterior um, or the other option. We have to ask ourselves, have I allowed my traditions, my preference to supersede that of what God's commanded? Or am I giving it, not maybe not supersede, but am I giving it a higher priority or am I giving it more of my attention mm -hmm. and when we are then we miss the mark because it isn't about what we want to do like you mentioned I make sure whatever I'm doing is am I pleasing God and does it please him and also when it comes to things of tradition or things of preference if it gets in the way of someone coming to know Jesus then maybe we need to reconsider some things. But not at the expense of, again, pleasing God. Because, you know, you can go too far on both ends of the spectrum. You can say, oh, we'll do whatever it takes. Well, well no, let's not do that. But also, we can't dig our heels in the ground and say, we're going to be too stubborn like the Pharisees were being. There, there's so many different places where we can go with traditions and preferences that happened because God's not our top priority. Right. Um, priority. I mean, it's a, it's an important aspect and it's, it is a lot of what God is bringing them here. Um, Self-protection, your own comfort, your own authority, your own influence or God's will and God's glory. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't want to say we have to choose because, you know, they can run, concurrently, but I have to choose Absolutely. which is going to take precedence. Correct. I have to choose which is going to lead the way. Um, and, and 
you know, as we mentioned before, that's the impetus behind the Sermon on the Mount. It's the impetus behind what Paul is trying to get to the bottom of in Romans. Uh, over and over again, we see that coming through in Christian teaching is it's not that your actions don't matter. It is that your motivation matters as much or more than your actions do. Because I think what we see over and over again is God can forgive improper action. Um, but improper motive to proper action, like I can do the right thing for the wrong reason and it makes it the wrong thing. I can have the right motivation and do the right <laughs> thing and still kind of be in good standing because I've made an error, but my heart is in the right place. Um, and so our motivation to our action is, is of utmost importance when it comes to our standing in Christ um, because he, he changes us, he transforms us internally so that externally we can then allow those things to play out. Yeah. Um, and the problem with the Pharisees, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Right. And that meant, man, you sure look like you got it all together, but your inside is full of dead man's bones, right? You're just dead in the inside. Right. Because they made sure, man, we're doing what we should be doing. We're doing all the right things, saying all the right things, but really they weren't doing all the right things. But to those around them, they are who we aspire to be. They are the gold standard. And he says, you know, I see through it. Mm -hmm. I see through you. And your heart is not pure. And what, what did Jesus, well, not Jesus, what did God say over and over in the Old Testament? You know, after the sacrifices, sacrifices were happening, he said it several times. He goes, your sacrifices stink. <laughs> he goes, I, because your heart's not there. He goes, I want your heart. And then in the New Testament, have circumcised hearts. Mm -hmm. right? I, that's what I care about is your heart. Now, he cares about our actions, but as a, a friend of mine said, and, uh, and I'll a long good story for another podcast perhaps but I was asking her about evangelism from her perspective and she says if the heart changes then the actions will follow because you can't you know you can't force someone to keep acting a certain way if they don't first desire and have a heart to follow Jesus and mm -hmm. I mean that's making sure our hearts in the right place and then that's how our traditions and God's commandments really fit together quite nicely. But like you said, what has to be the, what has to lead? Well, God has to lead in all those things. He has to be, that's why, I mean, Jesus is the head. He's the head of the body of, of Christ, right? He's, <laughs> he's the head. You can't say, oh no, my tradition will be the head and, and Jesus is just the neck, connecting my traditions to the rest of the body. No, no. He's the head. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I liken it to uh, training defenders. This is true whether you are training uh, defenders in soccer, football, basketball. I'm going to assume hockey, although I've never tried to train a defender in hockey, but I'm going to assume that this is the case. Um, <laughs> we can we can make all kinds of movements with. Uh, with our head, you know, I can go one way and I can change that direction really quickly. You can make all kind of ball fakes and head fakes 
with footwork. You can do all kinds of jab steps and fakes. Um, but here's the thing in sports. Where that man's belly button goes, his body will follow. Because the belly button is the center mass uh, of, of, of that weight, right? And, you know, so I would tell guys when we're playing basketball, it's like, stop looking at his head. Stop. You can glance at his eyes, but his belly button will never lie to you. <laughs> Whichever direction that middle of his body goes, the rest of his body is going to follow because that's the center. Um, you can get clues from other things, but they will deceive you. If the center of his body is moving a direction, that's the way he's going to go. If you watch a receiver running a route, they'll make a hard jab step one way with their foot. But if, but if, if their belly button is centered and going the other way, that's the way their body's going to go because it's the way their mass is traveling. Um, Which is why their and, hips and are so important because they can turn right. their they can turn that that center right? mass. Yeah, watch watch their hips, watch their watch their belly button. That that center piece is what's true, and, and and for me that is I mean when it comes to being Christian, that center of mass has to be it has to lead, and wherever it's going is the way we're going to follow, um, mm -hmm. and it will follow wherever that center of mass goes. Um, Christ as our head works the same way, you know, where, wherever, if we're willing to follow him and, and put him at our center, um, then if we follow his ways and seek his glory, uh, then our action will follow. It, it all really works hand in hand and goes together. Christ didn't come to ask us to abandon. He didn't ask the Jews to completely abandon the law. He came to fulfill it. And he said, look, I have made the law perfect, which means you now have a new kind of of life. I mean, the law only brought death. The law never brought life. But in the law of Christ, you have life. Yeah. Um, and, and you can still embrace some of these things. There's nothing wrong with observing the traditions that you have, but recognize the life you have in Jesus um, and how much more fulfilling it is when those two things work together. Um, I think for me, that's the that's the most powerful part of what Jesus is trying to get through here in this moment. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's a, a good way to end to make to make sure. I think that's our take home point is with our traditions, making sure that God stays the priority and the driving force behind all we do, and how our traditions can fit together with God's commandments, but making sure Christ is our center. And uh, today I was in a uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this. So we're both on Clubhouse, and I was in a room today where it was talking about, you know, focusing and making sure Christ is your center. And uh, I thought it was, it was really interesting for a, a few minutes, and I thought it was a, a good way to say that's kind of how it all fits together, is if he's our center and we're making sure we're doing everything to please him and to stay walking in his footsteps, then, then that's what really matters. And, and that's why we want to thank you for, for, I guess, for joining us today on the Crossways podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm Jonathan, um, and this is my co-host, Josh, and we want to remind you of 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. We're so glad you're here. We're here every Thursday for the most part at 12 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Central, and we can't wait to see you guys next week.